If you take one stick and apply pressure to it, it's going to break fairly quickly and easily. If you take a bundle of sticks, you can apply the same or even greater pressure, and it's not going to even crack, let alone break. And that is a picture of life. If we try to take life by ourselves, the pressure of life is going to cause life to pretty quickly break, and we will break under the pressure. If, on the other hand, we've got some close friends that are taking the journey of life with us, and we're in what I call a bundle, then when the pressure is applied, it is dispersed among us, dispersed among us, and we support each other and strengthen each other, and we don't even crack, let alone break. Now, here's the question I got for you this morning. Is this a picture of how you're living, or is this a picture of how you're living? Are we doing the bundle routine in life with our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus, or are we doing the individual approach? You see, God gave us the church as the family of God so that we could be this, so that this would not happen to us. And most of the time when this happens to us is because we are not doing this. I want us to look this morning at a little-known, almost unknown character from the Bible in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, who is a role model to us about how to do the bundle routine. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 22. Now, this guy's name is pronounced umpteen different ways. So I'm going to pronounce his name Tychius. You could get Tychius, Tychius, and check any dictionary you want, and you will get a different definition or explanation as to how to pronounce his name. I just wonder if when he was a little boy, if he just didn't have multiple people calling him different names, and he was probably having to correct his teachers all through school, saying, no, it's not pronounced that way. We're going to pronounce it Tychius, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 21. As you turn there... I want to draw attention to something about the Apostle Paul because he's the writer here and he's writing about Tychius. We tend to look at the Apostle Paul because he wrote the majority of the New Testament, letter after letter, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, etc. And we look at all that he did. The book of Acts is the history of the early church and you just, I mean, it's chapter after chapter of Paul starting churches all across the Roman Empire. It just everywhere you turn, Paul's there, and he's seemingly doing these heroic things. And the tendency is to look at Paul and to say, man, Paul was such a great leader and was so greatly used of God, and he was a hero of heroes. Paul was just this self-made man who went out there like a solo act and just did all this great stuff. But that is not the case. When you read Paul's letters, it's very interesting In most of the letters, they will open and Paul says, I, Paul, and then he's going to name off one or more people who were with him. When Paul goes to close his letters, at the very last of his books, he will begin to identify people in the church that he's close with. He will begin to talk about what they have meant to his life. 
He will go through all this list of people. When you read through the book of Acts, you never see Paul by himself. When he's sitting in a jail in Acts chapter 16, he's in there with Silas, and they are singing hymns together. He talks about a guy by the name of Onesimus who goes all over the place with him. And the point I'm trying to make is that Paul did not try to take on this business of living life and serving the Lord as a lone ranger and a solo act. Rather, Paul understood he needed not just friends, but close friends in this journey of life. And so the reason Paul was able to accomplish what he was able to accomplish for the Lord was because Paul had a team of brothers and sisters in Christ that he traveled with, that he ministered with, that he walked with him through the difficult times and were on the mountain peaks with him. But Paul didn't do it alone. Paul was who Paul was and accomplished what he accomplished and was used of God to do what he did because he was not alone. He understood that he needed folks around him to share in the journey with him. He did that bundle approach. And so that's what we're going to see here is he identifies one of those guys. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning with verse 21. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning with verse 21. So that you also may know now notice how he's going to he's going to repeat this phrase later in the 22nd verse. He's caught up in this so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychius, notice his description of him, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. I'm going to reread that passage. Notice how repetitive it is. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychius, notice the description of Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, I want to back right up to where it says that you may know how. Notice the first person plural that Paul uses here. That you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So Paul is emphasizing again that he's with a group of folks making this journey together with this group of folks. Now, who was this guy named Tychius? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I had walked in here this morning and hadn't said a word about this guy and just said, how many of you all have ever heard of a guy named Tychius uh, in the Bible? How many of you would have raised your hands? I mean, I've been reading Ephesians just about all of my life, and I had ne- this guy's name had never really jumped out at me. We tend to, you know, go through the introductions and the conclusions like boom really quick and then go for the meat in the middle. But Paul never wastes a word, says a lot of stuff crammed in there, biblical truth, and this guy Tychius is one of them. So who was this guy? There's a lot about him, oddly enough, in Scripture. It just didn't jump out at us. First of all, he was an Asian, and he was from Asia Minor. 
as best we can tell, he grew up in the area of of Ephesus and would have been very well acquainted with the culture of Ephesus. He carried multiple letters for Paul. Now, back in those days, they didn't have email and they didn't even have the postal service. So if you wrote a letter to somebody, you were your own postal service. You had to either take it yourself or you had to get somebody to take your letter for you. And so what Paul did with Tychius on numerous occasions, as well as some other folks, is he had them take, hand-deliver the letters that he wrote. Paul is writing from, we believe, a Roman imprisonment at this point. So he writes this letter in jail, and Tychius is right there with him day in and day out. And so he says to Tychius, I need you to take this letter to the believers who were living at Ephesus. And take this letter, which we know is the letter of Ephesians. He also hand-delivered Colossians to the church at Colossae and Philemon. So he wrote, Paul wrote multiple letters of which Tychius saw that the letters got to their recipients. He was sent by Paul on multiple assignments that Paul gave him. I need you to go here, I need you to go there. And he went on those assignments and he accompanied Paul on Paul's third missionary journey. Now Paul's third missionary journey was the last missionary journey that Paul took, and it was a particularly difficult missionary journey. He got shipwrecked. I mean, you name the problems, and Paul had them. And by this point, Paul is very well known in the Roman Empire, and people are after him. And so Paul, to hang out with Paul meant you were putting your life on the line. And so as Tychius is accompanying Paul day in and day out, Paul is catching all kinds of flack for what he is doing, and he knows there's a good chance that Paul is going to get thrown in jail if not killed, and if he's identified with Paul, he may get to be a cellmate of Paul's, as often people who accompanied Paul did get close to it, and that he himself might be killed. So that is the kind of commitment that Tiki has had to Paul, knowing what Paul was going through. Tychius was a guy who was with Paul for the long haul. He was not afraid to identify with Paul. And Paul was known so well by Tychius that he is able to communicate in very specific terms to the church at Ephesus, this is what Paul is doing, and this is what's going on with him. Now, notice how he describes Tychius in verse 1, excuse me, verse 21. He says he is a beloved brother. Now, the word beloved there is the same Greek word that is used to describe the love of God. And the essence of this Greek word agape is how we would transliterate it into English. Speaks of commitment. It is not emotion. It's not even friendship. The Greeks had three words for love. The New Testament church picked up a little-known word called agape and attached the concept of the love of God to it because phileo, which is another word in Greek, means a friendship type of love. Ergo is, refers to more of a sensual type of love. So they picked up the word agape, and the very essence of this word was commitment. You are committed to someone. God is committed to us no matter what, hence Agape love. And so when he says he's a beloved brother, the idea is, is that Tychius is a guy who's got God type of commitment that drives him in his commitment to us and our commitment to him. Now he says he's a beloved brother. We tend to use the term brother if we're not careful, sort of, uh, you know, just throw it all around. I don't know if the young people in this area use it as much, but when we were in Chesapeake, the term bro was just, I, it, first off, it started out, it, 
when a guy used it about another guy that it really meant something. And then it got to where it was bro about everything. And I began to realize it really didn't mean that much. Everybody who was male became a bro. And my son uses the term a lot. And we were riding down the road one day, and somebody cut him off. And Jonathan just exclaims, hey, bro, what are you doing? And I thought, no, we need love or commitment. And that statement just came out of his mouth. Uh, I was proud that he stopped at the word bro. His dad probably would have used a few other terms that weren't quite as nice sounding as that. Uh, You're going to get me in the flesh, cut me off in traffic. And, you know, I I cut right to it. I'm I'm sure none of the rest of you all have that problem. But anyway... um, I'm going to diverse from this sermon for just a minute, so endure my carnality. But if any of you have ever seen that uh, movie, Medea, where she gets caught off in the parking lot, she got this great big huge vehicle, and she hauls off and slams a person who just cut her off. I just love to live vicariously through that. And I watched that, and I'm like, how many times have I wanted to take a vehicle and just, you know, someone cut me off, cut me off in a parking place and just slam right into them and or just smile and walk away from it, you know. And uh, so anyway, but the idea here is that, you know, Tychius knew the love of God and walked with him, and then he was a brother in Christ. Now, this is the idea behind brother. First of all, a relationship of equals. Paul is saying, Tychius is my equal in the Lord. Second, it was the idea that of a unity of purpose. They shared, he and Tychius shared the same purpose. They loved Jesus, they were trying to serve Jesus, and they were trying to bring glory and honor to Jesus. It was the idea also that Paul trusted him trusted him to get the job done, trusted him to carry these letters, but trusted him with his heart, trusted Tychius with what was going on inside of him and what he was struggling with. He was able to trust Tychius. They shared a common bond. And the essence of Christian brotherhood is that we share a common bond in the Lord to serve the Lord and to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea of being a brother is that we are in this together and that it is not about self because when it's about self and when the essence of what I am in relationships with other people is about me, then there's going to be jealousy. There's going to be competition. There is going to be at times a sense that things don't go my way of rejection. There's going to be, you know, this idea of I've always got my radar out, looking to be offended. Have you ever met people that look like they walk around with an emotional radar all the time, and they get offended because they're always looking to be offended. They are anticipating being offended. They almost can't wait to be offended so they can, you know, lick their wounds and feel sorry for themselves. Well, this brotherhood in Christ means that I don't go around with my radar out looking and waiting and anticipating offense. It's not about me. It is about the cause of Christ. It is about my brother in Christ. And that's what Tychius was for Paul. It was like, and the other thing is, you know, you're working beside Paul and Paul is being so greatly used of God. You're watching him sitting there writing a letter that you are going to take to the church at Ephesus that he's going to get the credit for. You are watching God use him in tremendous ways to teach and preach and start churches. And you're not jealous about that. You've accepted your place and your role and your work in the kingdom. And you are happy about where God has placed you. You see, part of of being the family of God is being able to look at each other and to accept where God has placed each of us in the work of the kingdom and not be jealous of each other or frustrated with each other or envious of each other, but to say, hey, 
God has placed you in this place. God has placed me here. God has equipped you the way he's equipped you. He's equipped me the way he's equipped me. And we accept that and I rejoice in that. And my job in your life is to enhance you and help you achieve everything that God has for you. Hopefully you do the same back in my direction. But it's not to compete with each other and be jealous with each other. And that's how Tychius understood his brotherhood with Christ. It's the idea that when a brother stumbles, you help them get back on their feet and help them move on. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Notice the second half of that verse. A brother is born for adversity. The idea there is that in Christian friendship, we are strategically placed in each other's lives by the Lord, not just for the good days, but in particular for the days when we are facing adversity. A brother is born for adversity. It is the idea of him saying when he says he's a beloved brother, it's the idea of presence. Tychius was present with Paul in whatever Paul was going through. When he took that third missionary journey, and he's going through one headache after another, one heartache after another, riots against him, the whole bit, Paul always can look to his side and see Tychius there beside him. It's the ministry of presence. I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, when I first went in the ministry, I thought as a pastor, uh, I was always supposed to show up with just the right words. And I, Lord have mercy on the congregation, I, my first pastor. I was in my 20s, and I was always trying to show up with just the right words. And it looked like I just couldn't find the right words so many times. I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I get, when you've been at it a while, you can tell the crazy stories and let them reflect you. I, some, one of my dear ladies in my church was having a baby. And for some unknown reason, I thought I needed to go into the labor and delivery ward and pray with her while she was having the baby. And, uh, and back in those days, they would let you do that. So I go into the labor and delivery ward. She is, Lord knows how close she was to having that baby, but she was in pain. And her pastor is standing there beside her to pray her through the labor part. And, you know, I'm lucky she didn't take my head off in the process of what she was going through. I look back on her later after I was with my wife after she gave birth to my son, and I thought, yeah, it was just one of the stupidest things I have ever done uh, in ministry <laughs> to be there. I mean, she wanted to take my prayer and go stand out in the front yard of the hospital and offer it, but not beside her. But uh, anyway, it's just amazing those crazy things you do when you're coming along. But that idea there of presence is what he's driving at here. Tychius is with me in what I am going through and have gone through in life. It's that ministry of presence. And what I want to encourage you in this day is this. You may look at your life at times and you may feel like, I don't have a lot to bring to the table. You may have days when you feel like, I don't have a lot to bring to somebody else's life. It's not what we say. It is not how talented we may feel we are or are not. The ministry of presence is just being there. Often without saying a word. People need us far more than they need our words. And just being there. You are not alone 
in what you are going through. We're going to be there. We're going to walk with you through this. And that's who Tychius was. I shared with you about uh, Hurricane Rita several years ago when that storm came through. I was part of a disaster relief team, and we went to people's homes and uh, were cleaning debris up out of their yards and, and did some what's called a mud out where you go in and literally take everything out of somebody's house. It's sort of a weird feeling. You're throwing all their stuff out in the front yard, but it's set on the water for how, who knows how long. But one of the things that we found was just being with the people in the disaster I remember when we did the mud out. I mean, we were literally having to tear the walls of the house down to the studs so they could decide whether they would have to condemn the house or not. And the lady who owned the home walked into the house and stood there while we were literally (laughs) ripping the walls out of her house and was thanking us for being there because there was no way they could do what the team was doing. It was the ministry of presence. And I just want to encourage you this morning that the greatest thing you bring to a brother or sister in Christ is the greatest thing that Tychius brought to Paul, the ministry of presence, just being there with folks and walking with them through whatever they are going through. And that's not just the bad stuff, okay? Because it can get really lonely on good days when you're by yourself. It's that ministry of being there. Notice it says, verse 21, that he's a faithful minister. The idea of the word minister there is not like somebody like me who's ordained and in a church pulpit. The idea of faithful minister is that he didn't run hot and cold. He was just there every day. Didn't run hot and cold. He was just there every day. He did his job to completion. You could count on him. You knew he was going to get the job done. The idea of minister, again, is not an ordained minister. It simply means a servant. A helper. Now notice verse 21. It says he was a faithful minister. In other words, he was a servant. He was a helper in the Lord. That's more than just a nice expression. The idea there of being in the Lord is that first of all, Tychius lived and did what he did out of his character and his integrity. It was according to the integrity and character that God had built into him. Second, he tapped into divine resources. He didn't work and help Paul out out of his own capacity alone. He tapped into the divine resources that God had placed inside of him, the grace of God, the love of God, the patience of God, and whatever else it took inside of him. We think, we're not 100% certain about this, but we think that Paul may have had a difficult personality at times to deal with. Uh, Paul appears in Scripture to be very strong-willed, at times to be very blunt in the way he expressed himself. And so there's some indication that Paul could be difficult to deal with. In fact, some Bible scholars think that Paul's reference to his thorn in the flesh was his disposition, not a physical issue as much as it was Paul's disposition. It just, when Paul got ticked off, everybody knew Paul was ticked off. And, you know, when Paul wasn't happy, nobody was happy. And so Tychius probably had to have some patience in putting up with Paul's strong personality there and he worked out of God's resources to do doing that and he did what he did Tychius did with a godly disposition he was a faithful minister in the Lord he ministered out of the resources and power and grace of God into people's lives now notice verse 22 and you see this repeated over he says that you may 
know how we are. In other words, I'm sending Tychius to you so you can really know how we are. Paul lived a stressful life. It required that he have a network of friends that help him stay at it. The issue is not stress. It's how we respond to stress that matters. Paul accepted his friendship and recognized that God had placed Tychius in his life specifically to strengthen him, to walk with him, to befriend him, and to help him. We guys tend to struggle with this more than women do. And for whatever reasons, they have, studies that have been done have discovered that when most men get to about their early 30s and on, we struggle with friendship far more than women do. A number of years ago, physicians Meyer Friedman and Raymond Roseman, in their book entitled Type A Behavior and Your Heart, listed numerous behavioral characteristics that appear in high-risk heart patients. Now, I'm going to read here the characteristics of people who are at high risk for heart disease from an emotional perspective and see if you hit any of these categories, okay? You don't have to raise your hand, all right? <laughs> Just see if this hits you. Number one, a sense of time urgency. In other words, everything's got to happen right now. Two, a persistent desire for recognition and advancement. Three, a strong competitive drive. Four, an emphasis on work at the expense of social and family life. In other words, I don't really have time for family. I don't really have time for friends because i got to work all the time. Finally, a tendency to take on excessive responsibilities because of the feeling that only I can do it. And that they have discovered, the more of those characteristics we have, the more apt they've discovered we are to heart disease. Paul accepted Tychius' friendship. He put time into it. Tychius put time into the friendship. Now, accepting Tychius' friendship and Tychius taking on Paul's friendship meant that they were willing to accept each other with their faults. And sometimes the reason we don't do well in friendship is we want perfect friends. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes friends have to tell us what we don't want to hear. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 24, A man that has friends must, <coughs> excuse me, must show himself friendly. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, notice how Paul keeps saying that Tychius knows everything about me, and he can tell it to you. Now, there's a real key important aspect of that. Paul allowed Tychius to get really close to his life and to get close to his heart and to know him so that Tychius could pray specifically for Paul. And so that when Tychius went to the church at Ephesus, 
He could say to the folks at Ephesus, this is how you need to pray for Paul with specificity. Folks, I believe that one of the reasons we struggle so much in our walk often with God is that we don't have prayer partners who can pray specifically for us because we don't let people get uh, to know us well enough so that they can pray specifically for us. In other words, if I just say, God bless somebody, there's no specificity in that. But if I say, Lord, would you help this brother in Christ, and then I know him well enough to be able to get specific about how he needs the work of God in that place in his life, that is entirely different. You and I pray in generalities, we get general responses from God. We pray with specifics, we will get specifics from God. And I know sometimes we like to say, well, I have an unspoken request. And we usually we do that because we're embarrassed if we put it out there on the table and prepare people are going to gossip about it or we just don't want to go into details. But the problem with unspokens is we can't pray for each other with specificity when we say that. You know, if, if I walk in here and my unspoken is something's going on with my child that I'm embarrassed about and I'm struggling about and I really don't want the world to know about it, but it's eating away at me, I need a brother or a sister who's not going to just pray, God bless my son. I need somebody, a brother or a sister who's going to get down and do some specific hard praying for my kid. I need to know that I'm not walking through this heartache with my child by myself and I need to know that I need the power of God at work in my kid's life instead of carrying it around by myself and that's the reason God gave us the church not so we could walk around here as the family of God with this plastic smile on our face all the time that everything's okay and I'm just making it but I'm real and I'm hurt and I got struggles and I need the body of Christ to pray specifically for me Many, I think if we would get to that place, we would start seeing victories happening not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people that we're asking folks to pray for. And that was the whole deal with Tychius. It wasn't that he could just show up and say, oh, Paul's doing okay, he's hanging out in jail and everything's going okay. He could say to them, hey, I've been with this guy. I know what he's going through. I know he's a great leader, but this is how he's hurting. This is how he needs the power of God in his life. This is what he's struggling with. Church at Ephesus, this is how you can pray for him. He knows he's getting ready to go to, he's in Rome. He's trying to get an audience with Caesar, but he knows he may get his head cut off any day. Do you know what it's like to live with, with impending martyrdom, staring you at the face hour by hour? This is how you need to pray for this guy. And Paul knew that the church at Ephesus would go to their knees and pray for him with that kind of specificity. Notice it says, verse 22, that he wants, he's going, I'm sending him to encourage your hearts. The root of the word encourage there means I sit down beside somebody. I sit down beside somebody. The idea is that Tychius is going to come and he's just going to sit down beside you. What do you do when you sit down beside somebody? You listen. You listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Twice as much time on listening as opposed to speaking. He's coming to encourage you. He's going to sit down beside you. And he's going to listen to you. Let's pray.
Lord, help us to learn from the example of Tychius. God, help us to be that kind of a friend. Can't be that kind of friend to everybody. There's not enough hours in the day or enough energy in our bodies to do that. And you're not requesting that of us. But Father, help us to find those brothers and sisters in Christ that we can be that kind of friend to. And Lord, when you send the Tychiuses our way, God, help us to accept them as they are and recognize that you have sent them into our lives and we receive them in the grace of God and as a gift from God and then return that friendship. And Lord, help us as a church to function not as an institution but as a family, as the living body of Christ and to be meticulous to each other. And to remember, Lord, that often our greatest ministry is just to sit down beside each other and to listen. And to receive, Lord, what a person says to us as we listen. And we thank you, Jesus, and we praise you in this. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if this day... You want to meet the greatest friend that you will ever know. And that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And choose to follow him. I invite you this morning to say to him, Jesus, I take you to become my closest friend. To walk with you and to follow you. To walk away, Lord, from a life lived apart from you. To walk in life with you and after you. In just a moment we will sing a song of what we call invitation. So called because it's an opportunity for you to respond to his invitation to follow him. And if you pray that or want more information or someone to pray with you, I invite you to come. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about the most important decision in life. And that is to follow Jesus. If you sense that the Lord is leading you to become part of our church family, I invite you to come and to join here with us. Father, have your way with us in these moments, in these times of invitation and response, we pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.